You're listening to the Alternative Investment Podcast. We give you the insights and strategies you need to grow your wealth with alternative investments. Now, here's your host, Andy Hagens. Welcome to the show. I'm Andy Hagens, and I'm super excited about our program today. Honestly, since I've started this podcast, the Alternative Investment Podcast, I've been thinking about doing this episode from the beginning, and we are over episode 150 now. I wanted to talk about donor-advised funds because our audience here on the show is high net worth individuals, family offices, and financial advisors. And in this demographic of investors, I think that this product, this vehicle just holds enormous value. And in my opinion, everyone should know about them. They should know that they exist, how to use them, how to set one up, uh, and so on and so forth. So I'm very excited that joining me today is Jody Rosen, who is Chief Development Officer at Vanguard Charitable. Jody, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. It's it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us. And we I, honestly, I could have reached out to a lot of different organizations because there are different administrators of donor advised funds, but I really wanted Vanguard, Vanguard Charitable to come on this show. So it, it wasn't just that I wanted a donor advised fund manager. I wanted specifically Vanguard Charitable. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive in. And, and Jody, we were talking I want to disclose to the audience, and I do this also with investments, that I'm a Vanguard charitable user. Uh, I'm a I'm a Vanguard investor. I'm a super fan, so I'm not gonna like hide my biases and pretend to be neutral or anything. That's not the case. I I love Vanguard charitable. Um, but before we dive in to Vanguard charitable, I want to step back. I know a lot of our listeners and viewers will know what donor advised funds are, but not everybody does. So Jody, could we just start there? And what is a donor advised fund? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and one that I get often working in the donor advised fund industry. So in its most simplest terms, a donor advised fund is a charitable investment account. It, um, it allows an individual to put money into that account in the form of a charitable contribution. The money is then invested to hopefully grow over time. And when the donor is ready to make a grant, they can make a grant recommendation at any time, today or sometime in the future. Now, there are a lot of benefits to using a donor advice fund, but I'm wondering, Andy, if it might be helpful to go even one step deeper to describe how the donor advice fund works. Would that be helpful? Absolutely, because I, I think when people hear a charitable investment account, it's like, well, well, what does that mean? And, you know, is it the same thing as a foundation? Is is it different? Uh, what is it? So by all means, please, you know, I, and I know that you have to explain this to people multiple times per week. So uh, yeah, give us the spiel. How does it work? Great. So um, a donor advised fund or a donor advised account is managed by a sponsoring organization that is a 501c3 public charity. So no different than the American Red Cross or even maybe your soup kitchen down the street were public charities. And why that's important is because when an individual makes a contribution 
to create or add to their donor advised fund, they are making a charitable contribution to a public charity. And so they can contribute cash or appreciated securities. They can contribute private equity or real estate or art or interest in a hedge fund to create kind of charitable capital out of those illiquid assets. And when they are received, that individual gets a tax deduction, maximum tax deduction allowed by law when giving to a public charity. The assets are then invested and will go grow tax-free over time. So you're creating more charitable capital in your donor advised account. And then when you're ready to make a grant, you submit a grant recommendation to that sponsoring organization, in this case, Vanguard Charitable. We're going to make sure that that grant meets all guidelines um, that the IRS puts out, or if you're making a, a, a grant to an international charity, we wanna make sure that we're following those compliance um, guidelines. We send the grant out the door. So in essence, it breaks apart the tax implication from the charitable impact that you seek to make, and it allows you to increase your um, opportunity to give to charities over time. Which is awesome. I mean, for so many reasons, I think a lot of people, when they think about charitable giving, it's like cash in, cash out. Like I bring in, come in, and I maybe I tithe, I give 10% of it you know, to charity or whatever percent but it's always inflow outflow inflow outflow as opposed to you know uh like a harvard endowment fund or yale endowment fund or as opposed to the gates foundation or the buffett foundation that have millions or billions of dollars they can invest them and they can you know make an impact on the world just from earnings from that capital that's invested but typically you know 50 100 years ago that was a, a mindset of charitable giving that you really only had at a certain scale, right? Like if you were a, a billionaire essentially, or at least a, you know, a multimillionaire. And so, you know, that, that at least was my initial kind of aha moment about donor advised funds. Like, oh, wow, you can invest money. You, you know, you, you donate it up front and you take that tax deduction up front, but then it's invested and it's going to throw off income. I mean, you know, almost in perpetuity, or maybe there's some details there or, or restrictions, but over a very long period of time, it's going to generate returns. So to me, kind of a cool aspect is uh, it, it makes giving fun in the sense that it stretches it out over time, or, or you can, let's say you make a capital gain and you want to invest it, and then you can commit to supporting a cause for the next 10, 20 years and know like, I'm going to have investment income to support you over time. You got it. You got it. That's one of the great benefits of a donor advised fund, right? It allows you to um, create that long-term giving plan, whether that's because you have the opportunity to give year over year, or because you've had one liquidity event, you know that that's the one liquidity event that will give you that charitable, charitable capital. And then you can give year after year while increasing the amount of money that you have in that account over time and, and creating that long-term legacy, whether that's how you engage the next generation in the charitable planning or ensuring that you can give to those organizations long after you're no longer here. Absolutely. And, and, and that kind of you know, impact is really about legacy 
a lot of investors in our audience, high net worth investors, especially family offices. I mean, that's really top of mind is legacy. And so donor advised funds, to me, the beautiful thing is, is how efficient they are. I mean, they're cost efficient, they're time efficient, they're legally efficient. And so they take away, you know, like if, if you were a high net worth individual or a family office and you were to start a foundation, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do, a good thing to do or a bad thing to do, but there's a lot of overhead and time that you have to commit just to the administrative aspects of that. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, what the donor advice fund can potentially do is it can take a lot of those administrative aspects off your plate yep. where you can essentially write the check and then recommend the grants. And, and that's really the fun part, right? Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about some of the benefits of a donor advised fund, I tend to think about it in terms of fives, right? So absolutely efficiency, tax efficiency, we talked about in terms of contributions in and um, the ability to tax manage the investments while they're there cost you mentioned. Um, and we can talk a little bit about what some of the differences and costs might look like between a private foundation and a donor advised fund, but absolutely you get the benefit of a low cost vehicle. Vanguard charitable is, you know, is known as being the lowest all in cost, of course, but by and large donor advised funds are much less expensive to manage than a private foundation. Um, you have the opportunity to remain anonymous, which is really important to many high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals and in how they manage their philanthropic efforts. You help to manage complexity, whether that's on the contributions in or the grant making out, right? So there are, and of course, legacy planning, which we talked about. So lots of different benefits to using a charitable vehicle and particularly a donor advised fund. Yeah, and I want to drill into that uh, differences between private foundations and donor advised funds in a second. But I, I just wanted to reiterate, and, and Jody, you alluded to this already. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've had four different major liquidity events of businesses that I've scaled and and sold, and I also know a lot of other entrepreneurs that have had significant liquidity events. And I actually think that this is a challenge for a lot of people, whether they're entrepreneurs or, or maybe they work for a startup that has an IPO, where there will be a liquidity event and it's almost like the tail will wag the dog in the sense that they they know, you know, they'll know like, I wanna give X percent of this liquidity event or this portion to charitable causes, but now I'm on a deadline, right? Because I have to do it by whatever the tax deadline is um, and, in my experience, when you're in a rush on a lot of things, sometimes it's it's hard to make a decision. And I, I've known, I mean, I'm thinking of a specific person. I don't want to you know reveal who they are, the, any of the specifics. But he basically told me, he gave away a very significant amount of money. And he told me years later, you know, going back, I would have done that differently. Yeah. Knowing what I know now, and I'm a more experienced giver. And, and so that actually has informed me and some other people, you know, him sharing that with us, because then we've realized, well, well, you can take a tax deduction up front if you put it in a donor advised fund, even if you want to give 100% of that money away the following year to a single cause, mm -hmm. you can still do that, right? So it just preserves all of that optionality. For sure. And I think that the piece that 
um, entrepreneurs and founders in particular don't um, take into account enough is that they're often working with a zero cost basis. And when you make that contribution in, not only do you get the fair market value deduction, but you, you avoid paying those capital gains on, on that asset. And so if you're a founder and you have a zero cost basis, that could be pretty significant. And so if you transfer that asset in kind, you, you really do kind of get that double benefit. Well, now you're speaking my language. That's, that's a benefit I didn't even realize. So yes. I, th- these are very tax advantage vehicles. And, you know, we're, we're talking about legacy. So Jody, maybe you could walk me through this. You know, I, I know that when you start a donor advised fund, so there are some, you know, there are some legal things to be aware of, you know, it's, it's not like anything goes right. Like, obviously this is a tightly regulated space and it needs to be right. Because we mm-hmm. don't want there, you know, we can't have any fraud going on in, in the charity space uh, with, you know, nonprofit organizations. So this is mm-hmm. tightly regulated. There's um. I don't want to say there's a lot of rules, but there are important rules and, and, and guardrails to be aware of. So when you when you donate the money to the 501c3, like a Vanguard Charitable or Schwab or Fidelity or whoever is administering the donor advice fund, you take that, that tax deduction and you become the advisor to that donor advised fund, right? But you don't actually own it anymore, right? Like the funds are gone. You've, you've donated them. Mm-hmm. So you're now an advisor and you're recommending grants. You're not necessarily making the grants. Is that is that kind of a fair way to, to it's, qualify? It's absolutely accurate. And so that loss of ownership is what gets you that tax deduction, right? You've given up ownership and control of those assets. Now, as a donor advised fund sponsor, whether it's Vanguard Charitable or any other donor advised fund sponsor, we have a mission to help support our donors make the most impact with their philanthropy. And so our role in this is to ensure that um, we are supporting that individual in their philanthropic efforts and maintaining full compliance over all the grants that are going out the door. So you're absolutely right. The charitable space is highly regulated and we are also self-regulated to be sure that we're exceeding those um, legislative guidelines, we're going above and beyond. We we want to protect the donor and we want to protect the nonprofit. And so we do a level of due diligence on every grant that goes out the door to make sure that they're meeting those IRS guidelines. Right. And, you know, like to make an example, uh, I can't start up a charity and pay myself uh, whatever through that charity and then donate to a donor donor advised fund and then have that recommend a grant, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, it's, it's kind of gross. It's kind of incestuous. Like I'm personally speaking, I'm glad that it's regulated the way it is. And I'm glad that Vanguard charitable, as you mentioned, self-regulates, but you know, that, that kind of brings me to comparing this to a private foundation, because my impression is with a private foundation, you do potentially have a little bit, maybe more control, depending on how it's legally structured um, as the donor to the foundation. But then there's also a lot of complexity and a lot of, (laughs) you know, there's cost associated with that. Is that right? Absolutely. So private foundations and donor advised funds, both charitable vehicles, right? That's, That's what they are. And actually there's a place for both in the philanthropic landscape. Um, 
they both have the opportunity to grow charitable capital, engage the next generation, um, help the individual think about their long-term giving plan, right? So that they're very similar in a lot of ways, but as you intimated, there also are quite a few differences. So um, private foundations, as, as you mentioned, can be quite costly. And that cost tends to be driven by the need to hire an administrator. Maybe you have someone to help you with your due diligence for grant making. You might have a CPA to file your 990 PF. You might hire an attorney to create the structure. You oftentimes have a governance board to make sure that you are operating above board and you have all your governance components in place. You have the opportunity to create a bespoke investment model using any sorts of investments that you might choose. Um, but you, as you indicated, you do have some level of control and therefore your tax deduction on contributions in are not as beneficial as they would be going to a public charity. I think the final thing that I'll say is that despite the name private foundation, they are really anything but. They are not private. Anyone can go to GuideStar Candid, look up a 990PF and, and get all the information about that particular um, private foundation, whether that's you know, who's associated with it, where your grants are going to, how your investments are allocated. Um, all of that is, is public. So that is something to be aware of when you think about some of the differences between the two. By contrast, um, a donor advised fund, we talked at length about the, the tax deduction component. Um, we talked about um, how the donor advised fund sponsor manages all the compliance and due diligence around your grant making we talked about how they tend to be more cost efficient um, and the ability to kind of capitalize on that higher tax deduction because, because it's a separate entity. Mm -hmm. um, but they do hold anonymity. Because you've given up ownership and control of those assets, they are owned by the sponsoring organization. And disclosure about the individual um, account is, is maintained private. So on any grant that you give out, you can decide, oh, I want this organization to know who I am. Maybe I just want them to know the name of my fund or I want to be completely anonymous. And so you control who knows what about your philanthropic effort. The one other thing I want to add is that no one vehicle is exclusive among another. And so it's not uncommon for us, particularly in the ultra high net worth space, to see individuals use both, um, a private foundation and a donor advised fund. And there are lots of reasons that someone might choose to do that. We can talk through that if, if you think that would be helpful for your listeners. Um, but there are vehicles that you know, essentially help you to manage your philanthropic assets in, in different ways. Well, I, I mean, I, you, you begged the question, Jody. <laughs> so I have to ask, if, I were, if I'm a family office, if I'm an ultra high net worth, why would I want both? What would be the, the strengths of the one vehicle versus the other to, to where I would want to use both vehicles? Yeah. So what we see generally is, um, and I'm happy to give you an example of something that happened recently, but we see it time and time again. Um, when the matriarch and patriarch, maybe three or four generations up, they created a private foundation. And over time, it can get quite, quite large, as you might imagine. 
And when we get to that kind of grandchild or great grandchild generation, as you might imagine, the values start to shift from what the original mission of that foundation was. And so um, families have different options, right? They can kind of force everyone to work together, find agreement, um, and continue to grant out of the private foundation, or they can take the assets from the private foundation and make a grant to a donor advised fund and allow that next generation to, to make grants as they see fit according to their own personal values. And we see that a lot um, as kind of individuals are beginning to think more and more about that intergenerational transfer of wealth. We, we do see the two working together. We also see that come into play when, um, when people are looking to make off-mission grants, right? We talked about the fact that private foundations are fully disclosed where they're making their grants, but from time to time, they may, they may wanna make grants to organizations that they don't wanna make public. And so then they might leverage a, a donor advised fund to help support that as well. Understood, and I think you hit on something really important, which was, you know, maintaining wealth over generations, that's a huge, um, it's a huge question, challenge, opportunity for family offices for ultra high net worth, very high net worth. And then also just that concept of legacy, which I think is huge in the charitable world, right? So when we're talking about family offices, we're talking about, you know, their investments and their actual family office, but also as you, you know, as you alluded to their foundations, the ways that they want to make an impact on the world and their legacy. So here's a I guess a practical question. Let's say I have a donor advised fund with Vanguard Charitable. Um, maybe I'm married, you know, and my wife and I are the account advisors. Mm -hmm. We both pass away, but because, and, and the, the account has been recommending grants all these years, but because the investments have performed so well, the, the capital and the fund is actually higher than it ever has been. Yep. So what yeah. happens? Does it does it get absorbed by Vanguard Charitable into some sort of general fund, or do we name, do we designate the next generation of account advisors, or, or what happens then when we pass away? It's a great question. The answer is, it's up to you. So when you create the fund, or at any time during the lifetime of the fund, you can make adjustments to this, you create a succession plan. And absolutely, we have this at Vanguard Charitable, but across the donor advised fund industry, I would expect that every sponsor would have a succession plan, which essentially allows you, I would say at Vanguard Charitable, to name your children or some other individuals as successor advisors. You can split the account. So maybe you have two children and you want each child to um, have their own account. Maybe you want to um, distribute it all to name charities and close out the account. Or we have an endowed grant plan, which says, I want these charities to continue to get support supported at this percentage for the lifetime of the fund. The last option would be to go into a fund advised by our board. Um, but candidly, that is a less popular option. Right. I mean, it, and, and it's such a, it, I mean, it's funny, you could take this back to ancient Egypt or even before just this human desire for legacy, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's why the pyramids were built. And I think Vanguard charitable donor advice funds, it's a 2023 version of that in a way, in, in the sense that if, if let's say you're passionate about animals or, you know, no kill animal shelters, 
Well, you can literally set up a fund and and to your point, you can fund that cause not only cash in, cash out this year, but potentially in perpetuity or for for a very long period of time. Um, you know, one last note about private foundations and a full disclosure, I'm not an expert at all on private foundations, but they have fixed costs in the sense that you're not going to set up a private foundation, you know, without hiring an attorney, right? And, and doing those sort of annual tax returns and just there are fixed costs such that, you know, below a certain amount of capital, it is just not cost effective to set up a private foundation, right? And that, I, I don't know exactly what that floor is in 2023. Mm -hmm. It probably changes, you know, depends on what type of foundation we're talking about, but it's high. Like it's, yep. it's, it's quite high to, you know, hit that. And then there's going to be a lot of uh, family offices or high net worth individuals who are maybe on that um, in the gray area where, well, we could do that. It's an option, but the fixed costs are going to eat into, you know, it's going to be an operating expense that's going to potentially eat into our capital. Mm -hmm. Shifting to Vanguard Charitable, and, and we alluded to that the efficiency. But I, I want to underscore to our listeners, and maybe I can say, Jody, I, I imagine that you'd be more measured. So I'm going to go out and tell, say my own opinion. The efficiency is amazing. I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to compare y'all to Costco, but I think <laughs> I'm going to do it. Like, be, because like I'll get emails from Vanguard chair. This, this is so, it's such a different culture. I'll get an email like once a year from Vanguard charitable. It's like, just so you know, we've cut the fees right. on this fund. And it's like, what? Yeah. You know, like you're used to getting a letter from the bank that says we've updated our terms of service. And then there's going to be a bunch of hidden fees or something in the fine print. And the fees are really quite low. Right. And when you think about, you know, for a lot of foundations, their goal is to, um, you know, give away five, six, seven percent, whatever percent is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of their capital every year. Mm -hmm. And with Vanguard Charitable, you know, if a lot of people are doing that, if they're giving away, let's say five or six percent, given the low cost structure, given the fact that the stock market in America tends to perform pretty well, mm -hmm. I think a lot of donor advised funds are are finding like, wow, these are so efficient that we're managing to grow the amount in our fund while still giving away five or 6% a year. It's remarkable, right? It, it doesn't feel real. Um, our, we, we have a mission, right? Our mission is to increase philanthropy and maximize its impact over time. We believe that cost is a key tenant to ensuring that we can fulfill that mission. So you're right. We are constantly looking for ways to ensure that we are providing the lowest cost all in for the service that we're providing. Um, and by the way, we continue to up our game with our products and services. So it's not that we we are very um, thoughtful about how to manage cost and value. We think both have a place. You know, you're absolutely right about um, thinking about cost when thinking about a threshold for creating the private foundation. But I think it's important to also acknowledge on the flip side of that, there is no ceiling for when to think about a private foundation and a donor advised fund because 
and you and I were talking before the show that that used to kind of be the mentality that if you, you know, if you had more than let's call it ten million dollars in 1990, you were you were setting up a private foundation. But that's just not what it is today because the complexity around the assets that we accept and how we can distribute those assets in the form of grants have really gotten um, quite remarkable. That we're able to support whatever that charitable purpose is in a way that donor advised funds hadn't been able to do in the past. And so we work with um, individuals who are contributing with many, many zeros after that first number. And um, there, there is no ceiling. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I know we're not going to talk about individual accounts or anything like that, but my next question was actually going to be around the account minimum, just the practicality. So I'd actually like to ask about about the range, you know, like like even in ballpark, what is the largest donor advised fund that you know, may, you know, maybe around this era that you might have at Vanguard Charitable, and also what's the floor? To, that's a really important question: is what's the floor? Um, how much capital do I need to to start one of these? Sure. So you know, we talked about Vanguard Charitable, but. There are thousands of donor advised funds that exist across the country, and there is a donor advised fund for everyone. And so when we talk about the floor, there are donor advised funds that have a zero entry fee. And for some people, that is the right thing to, you know, that that suits their philanthropic effort. At Vanguard Charitable, our minimum is 25,000. We think that that allows you to think long-term and strategic about your charitable efforts and give those funds a real opportunity to grow so that you can give today and in the future. Now, when we talk about kind of what that ceiling looks like, it, it can be hundreds of millions, billions um, okay. of dollars. It's, that's, it's, what I, that's what I wanted, Jody. I was like wondering, what are we talking? A hundred million, a billion? Okay, so we're talking, we're talking numbers that are rivaling, exceeding many private foundation numbers for, for all of the reasons that you've mentioned. Yes. And I will say that over the last two years, we have seen an increased trend of private foundations converting to donor advised funds. Wow. They're just retiring out of the private foundation structure. And that doesn't mean that they are that they're doing their philanthropic um, planning any differently. It's just in a different vehicle because they are looking to reduce costs and um and donor advised funds are a great way to do that so they can give more over time. Yeah, you know, I also have to say um, it allows the investor to uh, take liability off their plate. I mean, you know, because, you know, again, the private foundations, you know, you've you've heard kind of horror stories and I know the vast majority of them are wonderful organizations with wonderful people doing things by the book, but you you do kind of hear there are minefields there. Yeah. And I guess how I feel with a donor advised fund is I'm outsourcing that headache. <laughs> I'm going to call it a headache because that's what yeah. liability is, you know, from my standpoint. Right. I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to trust Vanguard Charitable or maybe Schwab or Fidelity or any of these other organizations that offer them going to let them worry about the red tape and the compliance. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do the fun part, you know? Right. And nine times out of 10, people don't know that they've stepped into a land, 
mind, right? Like it's, it's not intentional, but that's why you need experts to help you with your due diligence, whether you're making a domestic grant and particularly if you're doing international granting, because that is a whole nother ball of wax. And um, you need real expertise in order to manage that effectively and um, within the confines of the law. Absolutely. Well, let's get practical for a minute. Um, I'm going to presume we have at least one listener out there who's like, uh, wow, this is great. Maybe I already knew about these, but I, I'm ready. I want to set one up. I'm sold. Um, and let's even say, you know what? I'd like to go with Vanguard Charitable. I want to do a $25,000 you know, contribution and set up a donor advised fund. What's step one? Go to vanguardcharitable.org. Vanguardcharitable.org has all of our tools and resources to do any additional research, but it also gives you the opportunity to open your account right there. And so you go through a 10 minute flow um, where they're asking you very basic information and at the end, it will ask you to fund now or fund later. And so once your account is opened, then you can choose what you want to give, um, how much you want to give, and um, enter that contribution right online. And, you know, obviously, we've talked about this already, but the, the cool feature here is when you set this up, you can you can kind of divide and conquer. You don't have to know what organizations that you're going to recommend grants to. You know, you can you can almost just sort of put that in your calendar or, be, you know what, that's going to be something fun that I do. And a lot of people do it in December, right, for holiday giving. But mm -hmm. you can sort of say, I'm not going to worry about that today. Today, I'm going to set up the account. I'm going to take the tax deduction. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll get that, you know, tax receipt from Vanguard Charitable or whatever organization you set up the donor advice fund. You can take that entire deduction mm -hmm. in the year that you make the donation. Now, I will say... You may be making a grant 10 years later or recommending a grant to uh, a charity that then sends you a receipt, you know, because the charity they don't always <laughs> totally understand how donor advice funds, though. So they may do that they mistakenly. More educated, I will say. Yes, you don't you don't get to uh, you know deduct it at that time. So you, you take it all up front. So okay. So I've gone through the 10 minute flow back, back to this process. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a 10 minute process. I've got a mm -hmm. Vanguard charitable. Either I decide I'm going to fund it now, you know, with a electronic wire or however I do that or mail in a check or I fund it later. What happens then, you know, the, the, let's say my check clears. So a week later, mm -hmm. account balance, $25,000. Mm -hmm. How do I start making grants? Let's say I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm like, I want to make my first grant. What, what do yeah. I do? I love this. We're just really digging into the details here. So um, when you sign up for your account, you're going to get a login, much like you would with any other financial institution. Um, you get a login and it takes you to what we call our donor portal. Once you're on your donor portal, you will have the opportunity to, to see the contribution that you've made. Um, if you're giving appreciated securities, you can track the settlement into the account, um, select your investment allocation. And then when you're ready to make a grant, you'll see there's a little tab there that tells you to grant and you recommend the grant online. Depending on whether or not it's been previously vetted or not, it should take about one to three days for that grant to go out the door um, and get to the charity. 
So, you know, you talked a little bit, I just, you talked a little bit about um, getting that tax receipt from the, from the organization. I think one of the great things about a donor advice fund is it keeps your entire granting history in that donor portal, right? So you can go back, you can see, oh, did I give, how much did I give last year? I want to up that. Maybe you want to create a recurring grant every December. You want this grant to go out the door to this charity. Um, so it gives you lots and lots of flexibility in how you manage your your philanthropic account. And to your point, you know, because of these guardrails, because of the due diligence, if it's a larger charity, you know, if it's if it's the Red Cross or something, they're already they've already had you know, due diligence done on these larger organization, because obviously hundreds or thousands of donors are recommending grants uh, or advisors, I should say, are recommending uh, grants to these organizations. So that will probably be processed very, very quickly. If it's a brand new charity, legal charity, then Vanguard Charitable or, or whatever the administrator, they'll need to do that due diligence, but it will still, it'll get followed up on, it will get processed, you know, they'll get the, the check in the mail. Um, and it, honestly, it's, it's that easy. It, it, it almost sounds too easy, but, but again, I, my, my experience talking with others, you know, we do sort of outsource the headache to yeah. you all, uh, and, and you specialize in it. And so it kind of leaves the uh, account advisor to do that fun stuff. Yeah. I will say something fairly exciting that, that recently happened with Vanguard Charitables. We engaged in a partnership with PayPal. And so you talk about checks being sent in the mail. We're actually engaged in a partnership with PayPal where the, the grant gets there instantaneously with those organizations that have signed up to be part of that program. So we're looking to get the money out the door as quickly as possible because we are advocates for the donors and we are advocates for the nonprofit community. We don't think that one can exist without the other. And so we're constantly thinking about how we support both. I love it. And one thing I love about Vanguard and Vanguard Charitable is, you know, you all do work with smaller investors. You know, I, in my mind, at least, you know, you kind of uh, represent stand up for serve the little guy in a lot of ways, but you also have the scale to cost efficiently help all your high net worth family offices. Um, so, you know, do you have any milestones that, you know, like, like how long has Vanguard Charitable been around? Could you give us a sense of how it's grown alongside the, you know, the normal Vanguard organization? Sure. So Vanguard Charitable was established 25 years ago. We actually just had a pretty big milestone in, in December. We celebrated our 25th anniversary. Um, and, and we touched on this, but I think it may be important for your listeners to understand that Vanguard Charitable was founded by the Vanguard Group. We carry the brand and all that Vanguard stands for, but we are an independent entity. Um, and so we were founded 25 years ago by Vanguard. Um, we also hit another pretty amazing milestone in December, and that was that we sent out $15 billion in grants to charities across the United States and around the globe. Now, that's remarkable, but since December, we've granted another billion dollars. And so it's just amazing to see the velocity in which the grant making continues to pick up um, and how generous our donors are. And I think that's for a couple of reasons, right? I mean, first of all, 
donor advised funds are counter cyclical. When we see uncertainty in the market, when we see inflation, when we see human or man-made disasters, our donors step in to fill that void. And we've seen a lot of that, right? And so our donors are continuing to um, access that charitable capital that has been set aside specifically for this purpose. And they're making grants at an amazing rate. It's, it's really fabulous to see. Um, but as you mentioned, we begin to, you know, we're getting more popular. And so there's more opportunity for charitable capital to come in and, and our donors are just very, very generous. So it's amazing. So, wow. So a billion dollars, essentially a billion dollars in grants so far in the last, uh, seven or eight months. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. And you know, the, the thing is, you know, people, uh, I think sometimes in the nonprofit world, if I could opine for a minute, um, sometimes they think of the financial world or the markets as the bad guy, you know, as the enemy as big evil capitalists or, or whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, well, even if you, even if you believe that Vanguard charitable is using the market to the advantage of all of these nonprofits, because I'm thinking, you know, in the past 10, 20, 30 years, there's been ups and downs, but the markets, especially the U.S. stock market, has had an incredible bull run, mm -hmm. right? And so, if you have a donor advised fund, and any of the you know the typical you know Vanguard index funds, balanced fund, you know moderate, aggressive, whatever strategy, it's very likely that if you just don't even think about your donor advised fund for a year or two or whatever, and you log in, you're going to be like, oh wow, that's really grown. So it's it's cool that you know if you think about your donor base, as the market, you know, as there's a bull market, whether it's real estate or tech or just the stock market, they're going to have more money to donate to charities to their donor advised funds. But also inside Vanguard Charitable, that bull run is very very exciting, right? Because it just it makes everyone's account bigger and they can recommend bigger grants. I have to say that, so I've been here 12 years. I've been in the donor advised fund industry for over 20 years. And every time I look at an account that has granted out more than they contributed mm -hmm. and still has a significant balance in their account, it blows my mind. I mean, the power of compound interest is, is just remarkable. We, by our very nature, we're a leaky bucket right? We get contributions in right. to support our growth, but we encourage that granting out. And um, the markets really help us to make sure that there is continuous charitable capital going out into the marketplace. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just great that you know, the, the nonprofit world leveraging the stock market. I mean, it, I mean, I honestly think it is as simple as, as that, because if you were, I think, I think a lot of donors, account advisors, I should say, they're probably, um, you know, trying to, to to recommend grants about five percent, six percent, or seven percent, kind of modeling what a foundation or endowment would do. Mm -hmm. And so, if if their account grows by more than that amount, they're going to grant that amount and still have more left over at the end of the year than they did at the beginning. Now, and I actually want to touch on that really quickly um, because 
that is that's that's one if i remember correctly that is a guideline at vanguard charitable where um you do need to make some grants right like i can't just i can't just set up a donor advice fund and then and then never recommend a, a grant and have that investment account just grow in perpetuity is that right for sure. And so at Vanguard Charitable and just about every other donor advised fund that I know of, um, there is a minimum activity policy. We, we are a charitable entity. And so we want to make sure that our donors are philanthropically inclined and they are making grants. And so we have a minimum activity policy that says you need to make at least one grant every three years. Seems reasonable, right? I mean, you, you may be saving up for a particular philanthropic effort, or you're trying to figure out what it is you want to support, or maybe you're just, you know, highly motivated in your income earning years, you're not yet focused on your philanthropic efforts, and you might need a little bit of a nudge to say, oh, oh yeah, got it, I need to make that grant. And so we help to support that, right? We want to make sure that our donors are making their grants out to the charities. And and my advice, like, you know, to any families or high net worth, you know, listening or interested in setting one of these up is almost uh, pretend like you're a foundation or an endowment, come up with your own policy. You know, you can design it yourself, but you don't need to reinvent the wheel. A lot of these endowments, you know, are, you know, six or 7% is, is their goal to disperse that mm-hmm. amount. And so, you know, set that up, set up a recurring calendar invite, you know, maybe every December or maybe actually not every December, maybe do something counter cyclical there to give the team at Vanguard a break. (laughs) Um, Oh, thank you, Andy. (laughs) Give you, yeah, everybody do it in uh, what, what, September? And and I don't know what the counter cyclical months would be. Don't do it a week before Christmas, though. Um, but, But anyway, you know, you can model, you can take those best practices essentially model those within your donor advised fund and uh just enjoy, enjoy the process because i do think it's a lot of fun and uh jody i have to say i love what vanguard charitable is doing I, I think you all add a lot of you know value to the world and, and to the industry and i also think you know something i would say about vanguard itself and also vanguard charitable anywhere you're operating to me it 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 puts pressure on the other players, cost pressure, other types of pressure to like up their game. So I'm guessing, you know, just like in the investment world, like to me, Fidelity is great, but I love that Fidelity and Vanguard are competing, you know, because they put pressure on each other. And I think probably that's happening in the donor advised fund space. So there's a lot of good administrators out there. Um, And and I think what y'all are doing showing leadership in this space is is wonderful. So I can't thank you enough for coming thank on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Where can our audience go to learn more about Vanguard Charitable? I think you already mentioned the website, but, but one more time, if anybody missed it. Sure. VanguardCharitable.org um, is where you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about Vanguard Charitable. You'll see some of our suite of offerings um, to help support that, that philanthropic effort, whether it's our nonprofit aid visualizer, which allows donors to kind of select charities in a particular interest area. Right now we have hunger and homelessness up. Anyone can go on and they can leverage that. Um, We have a podcast. We have a podcast. Uh, Yeah. Called the value of giving. We're going into our, our third season. So it's a, it's an amazing space to hear um, experts in the philanthropic space connect in with our leadership 
to kind of get a little bit more about what's happening in the philanthropic marketplace. Um, and you can read a little bit about our most recent thought leadership piece, Why Giving Matters, where we find that um, individuals who have donor advised funds with Vanguard Charitable give more um, because they can give better. And so um, lots of tools and um, support for philanthropists, family offices, financial advisors, but um, that's where you can also go and, and open a Vanguard Charitable account. So we hope that your listeners will um, do that or seek out to learn a little bit more about how they can better their philanthropic efforts. Absolutely. Remember folks, 10 minute setup process. It's, it's as easy as you could possibly imagine. I'll make sure to link to all of those resources that Jody mentioned in our show notes, which are always available at wealthchannel.com. Jody, thanks again for joining the show today. Thank you so much, Andy. Really appreciate it. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.